0: Good morning folks this is joel martin with you for the everlasting word now today we're going to pick up in the book of james chapter 4 and the title of today's message would be "Draw near to god now we pick up in james uh, 4 verse 1 and james ask a question like he ask a lot of questions in in the book of james of, of whom he's writing to for he says, "From whence or from where come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lust that war in your members?" <clears throat> in other words, what James is asking is, "Is don't you realize that these wars and these conflicts that you're dealing with, they're the very root of them is from your sinful hearts?" And a lot of times we get ourselves caught in, in circumstances and we fail to examine our own hearts to see whether the the root of the problem is our sinful, evil heart. So James is throwing out that question. He says, where's these wars and fighting's coming from? Aren't they coming from your very own lust that's within your heart? <coughs> and then he says in verse 2, he, he says, ye lust and have not ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain ye fight in war yet ye have not because ye ask not now there's a lot of frustration here in verse two James is pointing out their their lustful sin and we all have a tendency in our own hearts to lust after things to covet after things but you know that's one of the ten commandments thou shalt not covet So we really have to learn within our own lives to control our own lusts, to control our own desires, and, and get them in check and crucify them before God and learn to let Him fill our needs, learn to let Him fill what we need throughout our life and the things that are necessary to live from day to day. And we have to learn, as Paul said, I crucify the flesh. But yet, these people that, that James is writing to, their lustful sins in their heart seem to be out of control because he says, Ye lust and have not, ye kill. And I looked at that word up in the, my concordance, and it literally meant kill. So I'm like, wow. So these people were going to any kind of extent to try to get what they wanted. You know, and, and we know people like that today, maybe in our workplace, they're, they're willing to step on somebody else to maybe climb the ladder or whatever. But these people are going to all kinds of extremes to try to obtain what they want, but yet they can't obtain it. And it says, you fight in war, yet you have not, because you ask not. And then he says in verse 3, it says, you ask and receive not because you ask amiss, that you may consume it upon your lust. Now, verses two and three might seem to be a little bit of a conflict here because it says at the end of verse uh, two, it says you don't have because you haven't asked. And then verse three, it says you ask and receive not because you ask amiss. Well, if we think back in our lives, a lot of times we we try to handle things ourselves. We'll leave God out of it. We'll say, "No, I can handle this," and we'll do any we'll we'll do what's possible within our own means to try to achieve or obtain what we want. And then at the very last minute, we think, "You know, we we might better at we might better pray about this." And I think that's what what James is referring to. However. He says in verse 3, you ask and receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your own lust. God knows the intent of our heart. He knows the intent of our heart every time we get down to pray. He knows how we're going to use and how, how, what kind of a steward we're going to be of the things that we're asking him for. And if we're going to consume it upon our own lust, if we're going to use it for any other way than to honor and to glorify our Lord and Savior, that prayer's not going to get answered. What we're asking for is not going to get, uh, is not, go, we're not going to receive it because we're asking amiss. We need, have to learn to keep our lust in check, and we have to learn to pray according to God's will. And then in verse 4, he goes on, and, and, and again, he uses some very strong language here. He says, ye adulterers and adulteresses. Now, what James is referring to, he's not referring to them being unfaithful to their spouses. What he's referring to is them being unfaithful to God. So really what he's referring to is there being spiritual adulterers or adulteresses. He says, you adulterers and adulteresses know you not that the friendship of this world is enmity with God? Here's James asking another question. He says, don't you realize that if you're not faithful to God and you become friends with this world, don't you realize, don't you understand that that being a friend with the world is an enemy toward God? Don't you realize that? Have you studied the scriptures? That That's basically what James is referring to. Are are you so spiritually uh, inept, if you will, or maybe so spiritually ignorant that you don't understand that having a relationship with God is walking and talking with him on a daily basis? It is not showing up at, at church on Sunday and then living according to the world throughout the week. And that's what James is trying to get across to them. He says in the middle part of verse four, he says, Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. And there's no in-between. We either walk and talk with our Lord on a daily basis, or we're a friend of this world. We're either walking according to the the scriptures and the paths of our Lord and Savior's righteousness, or we're walking according to this world. And there's no in-between. And he says in verse 5, he says, do you think that the scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? So again, James is asking another question. And he's basically saying, this scripture that's written in God's holy word, it, it, it's not there just to take up space. It's there for us to understand that that spirit in us is an evil spirit. It lusts to envy. It lusts to covet things according to about this world. It lusts about things that is contrary to living a life according to the scriptures and walking and talking with their Lord. Don't you understand? Do you think that was written in vain? Yes, it's there for a purpose to get us to look and examine our own hearts and understand that we have a tendency to turn and walk according to this world. We have a tendency to lust after things. We have a tendency to covet after things. And we need to pour out those sinful desires to our Lord and let him cleanse us of it. We need to repent of it and and cleanse ourselves before a holy and true God and let him lead us in his paths of righteousness. And then James changes gears a little bit. In verse 6, he says... But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, and this this really hits home. He says, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Now let's think about that. Have we ever been so proud in our life that God resist us? Have we had times in our life that we were so proud? And maybe we didn't realize that we had pride in our hearts, but we would pray about things and we would pray about things. And it just seemed like our prayers were not getting past our upper lip. Is it possible that we had pride in our heart and God was resisting us? And I've really had to examine myself as I've studied this scripture. Has there been times in my life that my pride was between me and God and God resisted me? And I had to honestly answer, yes, there has been times in my life, but we have to understand that God's going to God's going to resist the proud. But when we humble ourselves before him, that's when he gives us grace. And grace is what you and I need every day. We need his grace. We need his mercy. So we need to take our pride and crucify it and get rid of it and humble ourselves before Almighty God and walk according to his scriptures and not according to this world. And he says in verse seven, he says, submit yourselves, therefore, to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now, notice notice the instructions here. We first have to submit ourselves to God. We need to surrender ourselves to God and say, Lord, here I am with all my faults, with all my sin. Your grace is greater than my sin. I believe that your grace is greater than my sin. I'm humbling myself before you. I'm submitting myself before you. And, Lord, I pray, God, that through your grace that I resist the devil and he flees from me. We have to understand that when Jesus comes on the scene, Satan will. Flee, And that's what we have to understand in our lives because we fight Satan every day, but we can't fight Satan on our own. We must fight Satan with the presence of Jesus in our hearts, the presence of Jesus in our spirits. And if we do that at his very appearance, when we surrender ourselves, completely surrender and wholly surrender ourselves to him, Satan will flee. Then in verse 8, he says, Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Now notice, again, the instructions. We have to make the first step. We have to make the first step. Just as sure as we humbly and contritely make that first step toward God, and we're drawing to him, he will draw nigh to us. He will draw near to us. And he says, gives some further instructions. He says, cleanse your hands. Ye sinners, and purify your hearts. Ye you double-minded. Now, you might say, "Well, that's not me." Well, he uh, James also says in, in in his book that if we say that we have not sinned, we're a liar. So I have to say, I have a sin nature. I have a sin nature that I'm going to fight with until until either the Lord raptures me out of here or I'm buried six feet under. So. I have sinned. We all have sinned. We've all sinned and come short before the glory of God. The best we can do in our own works is as a filthy rags before a holy and a righteous God. But he instructs us here. He says, cleanse our hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. Well, you may ask the question of how do we purify our hearts? Well, our hearts are purified through prayer. We pour out our sin before God in prayer. We pour out our cares. We pour out everything before him in prayer. And we, we leave it as, at his feet and we let him purify our hearts. That's why prayer is so important that we bas- we basically back up the truck and we dump it out at his feet and let him deal with it unless, rather than us trying to deal with it on our own. But we have to cleanse our hands. We have to clean up ourselves, we have to to cleanse our hearts before him. And he says, he says in verse 9, he says, Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. In other words, understand the conduct that you've had. Realize the conduct, and it should afflict you. It should cause you to mourn and weep. And your laughter of what you were boasting about will turn to mourning and your joy will go to heaviness. And he says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. So for us to draw near to God, we first have to take the step. We have to confess all our sins. We have to repent all our sins. We must pour it out in prayer and we must study His Word for that wisdom from the throne room of God so that we can navigate ourselves through this world, the sinful world that we live in. But as I look at the clock, my time is up again. Boy, this 15 minutes goes by fast. So that's the message. I hope it's been a help to you, and I will be back with you next Tuesday. This is Joel Martin.